0: part two chapter eight of a lost lady by willa cather this librivox recording is in the public domain one morning when a warm may wind was whirling the dust up the street mrs forrester came smiling into judge pomeroy's office wearing a new spring bonnet and a short black velvet cape fastened at the neck with a bunch of violets please be nice enough to notice my new clothes Nile," she said coaxingly They are the first I have had in years and years. He told her that they were very pretty. And aren't you glad I have some at last? She smiled inquiringly through her veil. I feel as if you weren't going to be cross with me today, and would do what I ask you. It's nothing very troublesome. I want you to come to dinner Friday night. If you come, there will be eight of us, counting Annie Peters.' They are all boys, you know, and if you don't like them, you ought to. Yes, you ought to. She nodded at him severely. Since you mind what people say, Nile, aren't you afraid they'll be saying you're a snob, just because you've been to Boston and seen a little of the world? You mustn't be so stiff, so... so superior. It isn't becoming at your age.' she drew her brows down into a level frown so like his own that he laughed he had almost forgotten her old talent for mimicry what do you want me for you used always to say it was no good asking people who didn't mix you can mix well enough if you take the trouble and this time you will for me won't you when she was gone nile was angry with himself for having been persuaded on friday evening he was the last guest to arrive it was a warm night after a hot day the windows were open and the perfume of the lilacs came into the dusky parlour where the boys were sitting about in chairs that seemed too big for them a lamp was burning in the dining-room and there ivy peters stood at the sideboard mixing cocktails his sister annie was in the kitchen helping the hostess mrs forrester came in for a moment to greet Niall, then excused herself and hurried back to annie peter's through the open door he saw that the silver dishes had reappeared on the dinner-table and the candlesticks and flowers the young men who sat about in the twilight would not know the difference he thought if she had furnished her table that morning from the stock in werent's queensware store their conception of a really fine dinner service was one hand-painted by a sister or sweetheart each boy sat with his legs crossed one tan shoe swinging in the air and displaying a tan silk sock they were talking about clothes joe simpson who had just inherited his father's clothing business was eager to tell them what the summer styles would be ivy peters came in shaking his drinks you fellers are like a bunch of girls always talking about what you're going to wear and how you can spend your money simpson wouldn't get rich very fast if you all wore your clothes as long as i do when did i get this suit joe oh about the year i graduated from high school i guess they all laughed at ivy no matter what he did or said they laughed in recognition of his general success mrs forrester came back fanning herself with a little sandalwood fan and when she appeared the boys rose in alarm, one might have thought, from the suddenness of it. That much, at any rate, she had succeeded in teaching them. "'Are your cocktails ready, Ivy? You will have to wait for me for a moment while I put some powder on my nose. If I'd known how hot it would be tonight, I'm afraid I wouldn't have had a roast for you. I'm browner than the ducks. You can pour them, though. I won't be long.' she disappeared into her own room and the boys sat down with the same surprising promptness ivy peters carried the tray about and they held their glasses before them waiting for mrs forrester when she came she took niel's arm and led him into the dining-room did you notice she whispered to him how they hold their glasses what is it they do to a little glass to make it look so vulgar nobody could ever teach them to pick one up and drink out of it not if there were tea in it aloud she said niall will you light the candles for me and then take the head of the table please you can carve ducks not so well as as my uncle does he murmured carefully putting back a candle-shade nor as mr forrester did i don't ask that nobody can carve now as men used to but you can get them apart i suppose the place at your right is for annie peters she is bringing in the dinner for me be seated gentlemen with a little mocking bow and a swinging of earrings while nile was carving the ducks annie slipped into the chair beside him her naturally red face glowing from the heat of the stove she was several years younger than her brother whom she obeyed unquestioningly in everything She had an extremely bad complexion, and pale yellow hair with white lights in it, exactly the colour of molasses taffy that has been pulled until it glistens. During the dinner she did not once speak, except to say, Thank you, or No thank you. Nobody but Mrs. Forrester talked much until the first helping of Duck was consumed. The boys had not yet learned to do two things at once they paused only to ask their hostess if she would care for the jelly or to answer her questions Nile studied mrs forrester between the candles as she nodded encouragingly to one and another trying to draw them out laughing at roy jones's heavy jokes or congratulating joe simpson upon his new dignity as a business man with a business of his own the long earrings swung beside the thin cheeks that were none the better he thought for the rouge she could put on them when she went to her room just before dinner it improved some women but not her at least not to-night when her eyes were hollow with fatigue and she looked pinched and worn as he had never seen her he sighed as he thought how much work it meant to cook a dinner like this for eight people and a beef-steak with potatoes would have pleased them better they didn't really like this kind of food at all why did she do it how would she feel about it tonight when she sank dead weary into bed after these stupid boys had said good-night and their yellow shoes had carried them down the hill she was not eating anything she was using up all her vitality to electrify these heavy lads into speech niall felt that he must help her or at least try to he addressed them one after another with energy and determination he tried baseball politics scandal the corn crop they answered him with monosyllables or exclamations he soon realized that they didn't want his polite remarks they wanted more duck and to be let alone with it dinner was soon over at any rate The hostess's attempts to prolong it were unavailing. The salad and frozen pudding were dispatched as promptly as the roast had been. The guests went into the parlour and lit cigars. Mrs. Forrester had the old-fashioned notion that men should be alone after dinner. She didn't join them for half an hour. Perhaps she had lain down upstairs, for she looked a little rested. The boys were talking now discussing a camping trip ed Elliot was going to take in the mountains they were giving him advice about camp outfits trout flies mixtures to keep off mosquitoes i'll tell you boys said mrs forrester when she had listened to them for a moment when i go back to california i intend to have a summer cabin up in the sierras and i invite you one and all to visit me you'll have to work for your keep you understand "'Cut the firewood and bring the water and wash the pots and pans, "'and go out and catch fish for breakfast. "'Ivy can bring his gun and shoot game for us, "'and I'll bake bread in an iron pot, the old trapper's way, "'if I haven't forgotten how. "'Will you come?' "'You bet we will. "'You know those mountains by heart, I expect,' said Ed Elliot. "'She smiled and shook her head it would take a lifetime to do that ed more than a lifetime the sierras there's no end to them and they're magnificent Niall turned to her have you ever told the boys how it was you first met captain forrester in the mountains out there if they haven't heard the story i think they'd like it really would you well once upon a time when i was a very young girl i was spending the summer at a camp in the mountains with friends of my father's she began there but that was not the beginning of the story long ago niel had heard from his uncle that the beginning was a scandal and a murder when Marian ormsby was nineteen she was engaged to ned montgomery a gaudy young millionaire of the gold coast a few weeks before the date set for their marriage montgomery was shot and killed in the lobby of a san francisco hotel by the husband of another woman the subsequent trial involved a great deal of publicity and marian was hurried away from curious eyes and sent up into the mountains until the affair should blow over to-night mrs forrester began with once upon a time sitting at one end of the big sofa her slippers on a footstool and her head in shadow she stirred the air before her face with the sandalwood fan as she talked the rings glittering on her white fingers she told them how captain forrester then a widower had come up to the camp to visit her father's partner she had noticed him very little she was off every day with the young men one afternoon she had persuaded young fred harney an intrepid mountain climber to take her down the face of eagle cliff they were almost down and were creeping over a projecting ledge when the rope broke and they dropped to the bottom harney fell on the rocks and was killed instantly the girl was caught in a pine tree which arrested her fall both her legs were broken and she lay in the canyon all night in the bitter cold swept by the icy canyon draught nobody at the camp knew where to look for the two missing members of the party they had stolen off alone for their foolhardy adventure nobody worried because harney knew all the trails and could not get lost in the morning however when they were still missing search parties went out it was captain forrester's party that found marian and got her out by the lower trail the trail was so steep and narrow the turns round the jutting ledges so sharp that it was impossible to take her out on a litter the men took turns carrying her hugging the canyon walls with their shoulders as they crept along with her broken legs hanging she suffered terribly fainted again and again but she noticed that she suffered less when captain forrester carried her and that he took all the most dangerous places on the trail himself i could feel his heart pump and his muscles strain she said when he balanced himself and me on the rocks i knew that if we fell we'd go together he would never drop me they got back to camp and everything possible was done for her but by the time a surgeon could be got up from san francisco her fractures had begun to knit and had to be broken over again it was captain forrester i wanted to hold my hand when the surgeon had to do things to me you remember, Niall, he always boasted that I never screamed when they were carrying me up the trail. He stayed at the camp until I could begin to walk, holding to his arm. When he asked me to marry him, he didn't have to ask twice. Do you wonder? She looked with a smile about the circle, and drew her fingertips absently across her forehead, as if to brush away something. The past, or the present, who could tell? The boys were genuinely moved. While she was answering their questions, Niall thought about the first time he ever heard her tell that story. Mr. Dalzell had stopped off with a party of friends from Chicago. Marshall Field and the President of the Union Pacific were among them, he remembered, and they were going through in Mr. Dalzell's private car to hunt in the Black Hills. She had, after all, not changed so much since then. Niall felt tonight that the right man could save her, even now. She was still her indomitable self, going through her old part, but only the stage-hands were left to listen to her. All those who had shared in fine undertakings and bright occasions were gone. End of part two, chapter eight.